I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. My guest today is a good friend. We met uh, a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, I think, when she and her partner, Jay, hosted me on their podcast, Inspired Action. And I loved the conversation. They somehow managed to send me a T-shirt of their logo later. And I actually think it's one of my favorite T-shirts of all time. I'm wearing it today. Uh, I love their logo. I loved the conversation. Lita Herman is also an author. She's a Chinese medicine instructor and practitioner, and she is the co-founder of Born Perfect, a new media company, a publisher, and uh, basically trying to focus on that field of improving yourself. She offers a wide range of energetic acupuncture and alchemy treatments based on the principles of ancient Chinese medicine. She's a former journalist and syndicate columnist, and she most recently released her new book on alchemy through the Mystery Gate. She's also written three other books, The Energy of Love, Connecting Your Circle, and The Big Little Gua Sha. Lita has completed and continues to study advanced principles in Chinese medicine with Master Jeffrey Yuan, an 88th generation Taoist priest and Chinese medicine master. Her acupuncture practice is very unique and diverse. She focuses on ancient Chinese healing practices that are largely unknown in today's Western culture. People travel from all around the world to visit her clinic. This is one of those conversations that I normally don't prepare very much for because I would love the conversation with Lita, as always, to go wherever life will take us. And I hope you enjoy uh, my conversation today with Lita Herman. I have a million and a half things to talk to you about. Like, I really, it's going to be, I I don't know. Let's play it by ear because I don't want to start from the last book. I want to start from previous books. And I also- fantastic. I also have to tell you, I have recently discovered, for the last five months, acupuncture. And I, I went to this very, very Chinese-educated practitioner who, let's say, just um, cuts no corners. You know, she doesn't care if I feel the pain. She really doesn't. As a matter of fact, I've noticed that the more painful a session is, the better the result afterwards. But man, that thing is like a computer program. Like she knows exactly what she's doing. She puts one needle in one place and poof, you know, something works in my body. It's like, you know, suddenly I feel the machine running. How does that stuff work? I mean, you've had your Chinese center for what? How many years now? 20 years. 20 years. And you're studying still, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, This weekend, last weekend, I'm always studying and teaching. How does this thing work? Is this voodoo or, I mean, seriously, because look, I mean, I'm a bit of a scientist, a bit of an engineer. I understand there is a machine there, but this is very 
real. Yeah, it's it's the most amazing mechanism, really. You know, we have fluids and we understand that. We cut and we bleed. You know, we understand that, that there's saliva in our mouth. We can feel it. But what we don't always have an awareness of is the electricity in our body, the actual chi flow. It makes sense. Like you don't expect a light to work unless you plug it in. And so the light is not an animate object. It needs uh, an outside source of energy. But we have a self-generating source of energy inside, and that's what we call chi. And that flows through the body just like, you know, when you plug in the cord, you know, in the outlet, it, it leads to the phone. That's the channel of the energy. And we have channels all over our body. So, you know, I used to have a client who would laugh and say, you know, can you fix my elbow? And I'd say, take off your sock. And she'd be like, what? <laughs> like, I don't understand. I said elbow. And I said, I know, but the channel we need to access goes down to the foot. And that's the best point. The science would say that the electrical signals are going through our nerves, not through those channels, right? The, what do they call them? The, um, the meridians. Meridians. Yeah. Yeah. The yes. meridians. So what is the difference between them? Well, what many people don't know, and even a lot of acupuncturists don't study that much around the world, it depends on the kind of acupuncture, is that there are many different layers of meridians in the body. So there, the nervous system does map to the meridians, but there are different levels of meridians. So most people use what are called the primary channel meridians. And they're not an exact map at all of the nerves, but there are other meridians. There are sinew meridians that map to the muscles. And so when you see how these different meridians work, you can start to, like, if you really look at the nervous system map, you can start to see how the overlay of that works with the channels, different layers of, of channel systems. There's five channel systems. So that's very, a lot more complex than even a lot of people know. And they're not detectable by the eye, right? You can't dissect a body and actually find those. It's not like a nerve or like a, an no. artery or something. No, some people say like when we take the pulse, we take the pulse on the artery. So we're actually feeling the chi running along the artery. But chi can run in many different places of the body. I mean, it's like blood needs to get all the way into every part of the body. It's just that that's a fluid. And so it's much more substantial. So one way to look at it is the difference between yin and yang. So yin is very substantial. So it's more like fluids in the body. And yang is very insubstantial. So it's more like the chi in the body. So a lot of what we're thinking about is things that are more substantial and things that are insubstantial. But you know, you can't really expect this amazing being that we are, this human being that we are, to be animated by something that's just substance. There's something more, and we've never been able to, it's a miracle. We've never been able to really understand what makes that human being tick, like what makes a human being so alive and vital. And so a lot of times when you're measuring the vitality of a person, we look at their, at how much light is emanating out of their eyes and their face. We look at the quality of their hair, their nails, like everything shows us about the vitality of the person. And so sometimes someone is sick and you can see that. You look at them and you think, oh, that person's sick. 
Why? Why do we know that? And that's because that vitality is not there. And that's what chi is bringing, both chi and blood, but mostly chi. So chi as an energy, is this what, you know, some of the spiritual people will say, oh, you're all energy. You know, it's like, I can feel your energy. I mean, as a physicist myself, I don't like when people say that, right? I think energy follows very different rules. But but when you talk about it as chi, the energy that actually sort of governs the body, maybe I understand that. Maybe, of course, there is power somehow, energy somehow moving around the body. Is that one and the same or do you differentiate between them? Is chi more physical than spiritual? It's a good question. There is something called cosmic chi, which is chi outside your body. So da chi is is the chi that is all around us. So basically, if you, okay, we're going to get spiritual. So if you say that- Of course we will. (laughs) (laughs) What did you expect? (laughs) If you say everything that's above the earth is like, you know, the sky and above is heaven, but not heaven in a Western model. And then everything obviously below our feet is earth. And then what's in between? And so in between is chi. So it's this interplay, it's the stage of life. So, you know, we all come out out of the birth canal onto the stage of life and we're standing in between heaven and earth. And that chi is the movement of all beings. Chi is the the movement of the wind blowing the tree outside my window right now. So everything that moves is chi. It's moves by chi, you know, chi makes it move. So the wind is chi. So it's physical, but we look at it spiritually as well. I wonder why we, we don't study this. So, so the scientific method starts with an observation and then Theoretically, you start to dig deeper and try to understand what explains that observation. And my observation is that when Dr. Lingchen puts a needle in my body, something happens. And she seems to be very systematic about what she does because the next time I go, she almost finds the exact same point down to the millimeter, right? Which basically oh, yes. means she, she wasn't random last time. And the same exact effect happens, you know, when that needle is in something happens. I wonder why science is not studying this at all. I wonder why. I mean, what you explain about cosmic chi in a way is a bit of what physics and, you know, maybe... It is physics. Right? But why isn't anyone considering those things as facts of science that we can work with? We are constantly talking about physics in Chinese medicine. I don't think physicists know that that's a big piece of Chinese medicine. Like we look at thermodynamics, we look at, you know, all the different kinds of what physics is about. And we think about how that works in the body, outside the body. You know, we look at, again, how does the wind blow and what does that correlate in your body? So what would be a similar effect? Now, I think most people misunderstand when we talk about wind in the body it sounds kind of archaic. It sounds like, you know, medieval medicine, but it's not. It's just a, it's an awareness of an observation of how wind works outside the body. And then what happens when the, the effects of what wind does in the world happens internally. So wind brings about change and change can be wonderful or very upsetting. You know, obviously if the tornado comes, it's going to be very upsetting. A stroke in the body is wind. So it's a tornado. 
It's, it's a huge event. So we say that we look at the dynamics of the outer world and we map it to the inner world. So it is physics. You would love it if you really looked at it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. What got you into this in the first place? Well, for me personally, I, I had an illness. I had endometriosis and I, I tried surgery. I tried everything Western medicine had to offer and I was not helped. And so someone said, you know, why not try Chinese medicine? And I, I grew up with academic PhD parents. And for me, it was all science. And I was like, well, what can I lose? So I went and it fixed it. And I was like, how'd that work? And so, you know, being a curious person like you, Mo, I mean, I just <laughs> want to know everything. And so I, I immediately started investigating. And oddly, my first class was very spiritual. It wasn't actually a very scientific thing. I just went out of curiosity. I just really wanted to know more. And then I got hooked. <laughs> and as Nir said, I'm positive hooked. And uh, I've been studying, you know, with various teachers for 20 plus years, you know, over 20 years now. And helping thousands, I'm sure. And as you know, I was in the tech industry. I was working for a spinoff of AT&T called Avaya and mm -hmm. doing system engineering. And it was interesting, but I, it never felt like my career. And then as soon as I started practicing, I was like, oh, this is, this is what I want to do. This is, yeah. this is it. This is the real telecommunications. Because there's never, there's never a lack of learning more. I'm, I'm a person who's always curious to know more. And so I could spend 10 lifetimes and not know it all. Yeah, I, was, I had a guest recently, we haven't published it yet, who spoke about the idea that a sense of curiosity, a sense of wanting to learn keeps you young, keeps you happy all the time. So that's one of the, the biggest, uh, actually we did, uh, Nick. Uh, so uh, it's basically the idea that wanting to constantly have the curiosity to learn is one of the reasons why people remain happy. So from energy to the five elements, and I really want to talk about your two books about the five elements. So I don't actually remember the sequence of them. So you had the energy of love and connecting. That was first. Yeah, connecting your circle, right? Yes. And, and in them, you're trying to say, use the five elements to either, you know, understand love and relationships or to connect yourself, right? Exactly. How does that work at all? I mean, what do the five elements have to do with anything when it comes to love and connection? Well, first of all, Because you're a physicist, <laughs> I have to always frame this in looking outside the, of us. So if we look at trees and plants, we know that there are trees and plants that have some commonalities. And we know that, you know, there are some wide differences. So if you start to look at trees and plants, not by how tall they grew or how many branches they have, but if you look at it more energetically, what is the nature of that plant? Is that plant kind of always off to the side and quiet, wanting a shady grove, you know, not wanting a lot of other plants around it. Is it that kind of plant? Like that sounds a little like more me. isolated? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, is it in the field of flowers and the brightest flower that it could possibly be? And it's just like bobbing and it seems like it's socially really excited to be around all its friends. You know, that so sounds that like me too. <laughs> There you go. 
so you look at these different qualities of the outer world. You could even do it with rocks. You just have to slow way down because rocks are slow. So it's a hard one to do. But plants, like if you look at animals, plants, they have these different natures. And if you just bring it to yin and yang, those were the two qualities I was just describing. Yin is quieter, more condensed, more isolated, more solitary. Yang is more outgoing, more, more expressive, more upward, you know, more outward. So in how they appear and how they act, both of those things can be really easy to identify. Yin, very, you know, downward and condensed and yang, upward and expansive. So if you just look at that, and you think of it, how does that work out emotionally? How does that work out physically? Like, what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? So all those things. So you begin to identify these characteristics of the world around us. And it is the earliest physics you can find, right, in the world. It's like looking at the world and how, and if you look at the season, same, right? So water is the season that's most condensed and downward. And it's wintertime. So wintertime is the most yin because everything hibernates. And so summertime, the solstice is like, you know, everything is popping and outwardly expressive in the world. So we can say those are yin and yang and summertime is fire. And so then you start to think, well, what about these other in-between things? What's in between yin and yang? And then you start to look at the other elements because you have spring and you have fall. And they're not really yin or yang, they're in the middle. And so Mm -hmm. the qualities of the ones that are in between, now we can start to describe those and we're starting to get to the number four, four seasons. So in the spring, everything is bursting upwards. So a lot of yang energy, but it's still kind of like little and kind of not that strong yet. So we say it's is the springtime and wood is young on the outside, but a little delicate on the inside. So wood Mm. people look really bossy and really directive, but they're kind of marshmallows inside. And so if you go to the opposite, metal is when all that life is starting to come down to the earth again. It's starting to go yin, but there's that beautiful, amazing array of, the leaves and autumn that can just blow you away, the beauty of it. And so it's very expressive. So it has some yang qualities like summertime, but it's also descending back to the earth, which is that yin. And so a person who's yang looks kind of soft on the outside, but they are like tough. They're like the sun going down at night with that brilliant sunlight on the inside. I say they're like orange on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're tough as nails. And hence metal, they're metal. And so these two that sort of represent the horizontal, if you drew a cross, summer and winter would be the vertical and the horizontal would be the wood and the metal. And then we come up with one more. Why one more? Because in the middle of that cross would be earth, would be the circle that holds it all together. It's the wheel that turns with with the season. So every transition of the seasons, spring to summer, summer to fall, fall to winter, winter to spring, each transition has an earth component. So it's what sort of makes the world go round. And that's the fifth season. It doesn't really have a season. So these are not the five elements 
like in the movie. This is not earth, wind, fire, and you know, and yes. no, these are wood, metal, yin, and yang. That's what you're saying. Yeah, there's a lot of so some people will describe the same characteristics and call it different things. So in Ayurvedic medicine, they have air, which maps to metal, and space, I think, maps to wood, if I remember correctly. And so they have some of the same and some different. It's just different wording. But if you're just talking about the element of fire itself as an elemental, like in the world. That would be the yin. That would be, if we're talking about the five elements, fire represents something. We use the word fire because we notice that the fire, the real fire, the element of fire, the true one, that you burn your campfire. Like we light our campfire and we notice these things about fire. And, oh, look, it has all these characteristics that we want to now call fire as an element in the world, meaning not the physical fire burning, but a fire as a metaphor for all the people and plants and animals that we see in the world that behave like a fire does. Ah. So remember, Mo, we've, we thought that you have a lot of fire and you like to be, sometimes you like to be the coals, but even when you're being coals, you're kind of like little sparks come up every now and then. You, you know, if you're being sort of quiet and, and sort of low for you, there's still like a little light and a little, you know, every now and then. There is a little bit of fire. Yes, I, I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> and then other times you're just bright and expressive and shiny and, you know, you come out more. And that's really typical of fire. So when you talk about the energy of love and how you can find love and connection and so on, how would those five elements map? Well, there are easy relationships and a little bit more challenging relationships, but all relationships can work out. It's not that we're saying if you have an opposite relationship, that it, you know, we know opposites attract, right? So, so right away, when I told you about water and fire, that's obviously opposite because water puts out fire. So that would be a challenging relationship, meaning there might be some strong differences in the way you walk through the world. If you're fire and you have a partner who's water, they might be saying, stop being so expressive, come be quiet with me. Well, the fire person can do that for a little bit, but after a while, they're going to get bored and they're going to want to go be expressive again. And they want to go out and, you know, so there's a conflict. And, you know, most people can work that out. There are many, many couples in the world who are opposites. Wood and metal are opposites. So, you know, that makes sense. I just said spring is this upward moving and metal is this downward moving. So you're going to see a lot of opposing sort of ways of being in the world. And then there are going to be some that are very what we call nourishing, meaning that they're similar. And so a wood and fire person it's easier to have that relationship because they have similar ways of being in the world, very outwardly expressive. So those two can, can map easily and water and metal can map very easily because they have sort of more of those yin qualities and they don't mind, you know, being a little quieter in the world. Don't need as many friends maybe, or to be constantly socializing. They love socializing. It's not that. It's just that they might pick and choose what they want to do. And so they can do that together. And so those, those nourishing relationships have some basic energetic ways of being in the world that are similar. And so they're a little easier. And of course, you can have the same, you know, a water person can be a little water person. That looks great. 
uh, sometimes not so great for some of the other ones because they can almost clash, even <laughs> though they're supposed to be alike. They're too much alike. And they're like, I know how to do it. You know, you know, so it could be like that. But if you take it beyond relationships, if you take it into work, for example, it's fascinating because if you're trying to build a team, you could say, I want my whole team to be fired. Which is very typical of senior managers to hire people that are like them, right? Yes, exactly. Wood and fire are often going to be that. But guess what? It's not always the best strategy. Because, you know, if everyone is most sitting around the table, nobody's going to have a different kind of idea. I mean, yeah, well, somewhat. But what about those ideas that are really different, really, really different? And so if you really wanted to build the most effective team, you would actually have one of each element because each element is really important in the world. For example, one that gets left out a lot in the corporate sort of mindset is water. So water is the one mm -hmm. that is responsible for the flow in a company. So if you're going through some kind, anything that requires inventory control, anything that's like something's coming in and something's going out, somebody needs to measure that and monitor that. That would be your water person. You need that person. If, if you need an architecture person, a CTO, for example, you know, you need a metal person and they might be really nitpicky and really annoying to some of the managers, <laughs> but you need someone who's going to be really nitpicky and really annoying about it because otherwise you're going to make stupid mistakes. And a metal person's never going to let you make a stupid mistake. They're going to research and they're going to find exactly what needs to happen and they're going to be opinionated about it. And that seems really important. So if you look beyond relationships, it's not just love relationships. It's all relationships. It's checking out of the grocery store and just making a connection with a person. If you don't understand that that person's water, you might not know that you could be really silly and do something physically like slapstick and make their day because that's what water <laughs> people love. <laughs> that's all they needed. I mean, the way you describe it, it doesn't actually take much to recognize those people, right? It's actually very straightforward. Fire is very clearly fire. Water is very clearly water, right? Yes. And maybe the spring and the fall are uh, actually, no, from the movement of their direction, they're also very clear, right? One is coming from quiet to expressed and, and the other is, you know, tending to go from expressed to quiet. Does that mean that some relationships are doomed to fail if they're incompatible? Or is there a technique to handle every combination? I don't believe that any relationship is doomed to failure. I think the, the number one relationship issue that could cause failure is unwillingness of one of the people to address the differences. So if there is a couple that's struggling, I do a lot of five-element consultations where I just try to explain to them their energetic differences. It's not one person's fault. So what's our, our nature is always to say, it's your fault, you're behaving that way, point, point, point fingers, you know? And instead it has to be like, you are perfect the way you are. I'm perfect the way I am. We're, we're different. That's okay because we love each other. And so if you love each other and you're willing to start to accept that this person is this way and I'm this way and that's okay, how can we find a compromise in the middle? And so really simply, one's very social, one's not. Okay, so couples have worked that out for eons. You know, how are they going to work that out? Is 
Is the person going to go alone to social events? Is the other person going to go to some of them? You know, is the person who wants to stay home more comfortable if you bring the social events to them? It could be 50 ways of working that out. But if you're butting heads and refusing to accept the other person as valid, as like, this is a valid way to be in the world because our we think only our way is valid. It's like raising children. I mean, it's the worst when you look at parenting because a parent who believes that their way is right and the child's way is wrong and they're very different, it's very damaging to the child in terms of like growing up thinking there's something wrong with me. Because my parents keep saying, don't do that. Don't be like that. I mean, simple kid who's very shy, you know, asking that kid to be more social because that's how the parent is. And what's wrong with you? Why can't you be like that? Those are messages that can be translated to the child very, very obviously through language and through behaviors. I love this statement. I love the idea of you know, there are so many ways you can be in this world. And I have to admit, it's it's a struggle for many because of multiple layers. Like the first layer is most people don't actually know who they are. They don't know if they're fire. They don't know if they're water. They, they never really connect inside to understand, hey, by the way, without all the conditioning, I would actually prefer to stay at home and not socialize, right? Some people, close friends who are, appear to be party animals, get totally drained in parties simply because it's not them. And it's very obvious. And and very frequently, actually, you know, when people approach me after a speech or send me um, through a friend to meet or whatever, you know, and I sit with them and I would probably go like, no, actually, you're not that at all. I can see a very different person. And, and they're not pretending, they're just conditioned. And so if you don't know who you are to start How can you know what the other person is? So what are some of your tricks, if you want, to connect inside? Yes. So, well, that's why I started the Alchemy Learning Center with Jay, Jay McElroy. You've met Jay, who's also the co-host of the podcast we do. What we thought, and a lot of this was actually Jay, because she's wood and she's got lots more ideas about how to take these concepts into the practicalities And that's what Wood does in the world. So what we did is we developed this um, learning center, an educational community where you can really, we meet every Wednesday night, we look at different people and we help them understand what element they are. And we have classes, online classes that teach you. But the main ways that we teach people how to understand the elements is to watch people move through time and space. This is the easiest trick of the trade is to watch them walk. And try to get them when they're not being goofy or doing something silly. So you ask them to walk first slow, and then you ask them to walk kind of fast, like they're late for a meeting. And you get the sort of general nature of that person. And so there's very simple things, like the simplest one is fire bounces when it walks. So it's literally going up and down. And so you can, if someone has, if a woman has a ponytail or a guy or whoever, you know, has a ponytail, you actually see the hair go you know, mm. when they bounce. Thank you for the hair comment. I, I, that, that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> that wasn't necessary. <laughs> okay, well, even if you have no hair, you can still bounce. <laughs> My beard bounces, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that's really easy. Another easy one is this thing that we call skating. So water's 
push forward with their back, like they have an engine in their back and they their hips forward, which causes their feet to kind of like never hardly leave the ground. They're not scuffing, but they're just really close to the ground. And so when they walk, they just look like they're a horizontal plane moving forward. And so it's like a mm. skate, we call it. So that one's easy. Um, there's some other easy ones like when people's elbows come out from the side and that's because they're all their energy is in their diaphragm and they stick their chest forward and it just pops your elbows out a little bit and metal people's arms kind of dangle kind of floppy and earth hips go side to side. So that's sort of like the, there's a lot more to it, but that's sort of the basics of it. And, you know, there's, the sound of the voice, like you and me talking, I can I can determine someone's element just by listening to the sound of the voice. That's a little more complicated, but a very similar. Fire voices go up and down. So up, down, up, down. Earth voices have sort of a circular nature to it. So they, they tend to talk in like a rhythmic uh, lullaby kind of talk. And so they say, anyway, and they might get into a rhythm where I'm going to talk about the same thing and then I'm going to take that cadence and do the next sentence just like it. And then I'm going to do the next sentence just like it. Mm. Um, so each, each element has a different voice. Do you want me to go through them all? <laughs> I do. Why not? Okay. I mean, all right. <laughs> let's not leave anyone out. I think people okay. who are listening are being curious now. Okay. Well, the next one is, uh, well, I'll do wood. Wood is sharp. So it's going to come out like bullets. So it's, you're going to hear the kapata. Like, you know, the consonants pop out. So they're commanding and it's monotone. So it's like, Mo, I need you to do this right now. You know, it's like that. And it doesn't have to be mean. It's actually very nice, but it's like, hey, can you do this for me right now? You know, it's like, so it's very efficient and very forceful in that way. And then um, water voices are also monotone, but they can, they can get varied and go up and down and be very like silly and expressive. And then suddenly they're telling you a story and they don't stop and they don't even take a breath and they just keep talking. <laughs> and it's like, you know, there's no periods and no commas anywhere in the sentence. And so that's a monotone voice that just keeps going on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And then uh, metal. Metal. Metal is a little bit breathier and a little bit more pauses in between. And so they'll start up. And then they'll start talking and their voice will trail off and then they'll take a breath and then they'll start talking and they'll take, you know, and then it trails off and then they'll That's take That's so a breath. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think we're going to have to stop here, make this part one. I will want to go much deeper into Lita's new book, Through the uh, Mystery Gate. And uh, I think you'll find a lot of what we were discussed there about your the relationship between your element and what she calls the nine palaces and, you know, the nine practices in terms of how you can really, really find yourself and visit yourself. You'll find that very, very interesting. So stick with me. Come to our part two. Don't stop now. Keep going unless you stop to share this with your friends on social media or rate the podcast five stars or do one of those things that I normally ask you for which would uh, help us make this kind of wisdom reach so many more people with your help. Don't stop. Let's meet on part two.